0: Welcome to Film Inquiries, the latest. Uh, I'm Jesse Nussman. This week on the podcast, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Uh, it's the dog days of summer, which is usually a bad time of year <laughs> if you're a critic like me. There's not really a ton out there, and what is out there largely isn't really that good. Uh, so, use this episode as a chance to showcase an interview I did with director Andre Overdolf. Uh, about his new movie, Last Voyage of the Demeter, a sort of high seas vampire movie that's out in theaters now. Uh, Basically, if you've read the Bram Stoker book, Dracula, uh, you'll probably recognize the plot of this movie. It's essentially taking the uh, one chapter in the book that focuses on Dracula's transportation from Romania to the United or not the United States to England and essentially getting loose on the boat and uh, feasting on the various crew members. Um, Movie itself is, I I, I have to admit, not really that great. It's got a great monster at the center, a really unique uh, sort of animalistic take on a vampire. Um, Maybe the most puzzling part of the movie to me is, you know, I, there, it, it, doesn't really have a whole lot of tension. It's it's very sort of like well crafted, but there is there's there's a tension missing to it. Um, I think largely because, well, if you've read the Bram Stoker novel, you kind of know what happens and it's sort of taking this sort of one brief chapter in the book and kind of elongating it to this two hour uh high seas monster movie, and uh if you haven't read Dracula and you have no idea that this is in in any way associated with dracula um don't worry because there's an opening title card that will kind of summarize what you're about to watch um in any case, I took the interview with Andre. I thought it'd be an interesting opportunity to. Uh, get a view into making not just a movie set on the seas, which is usually very, very difficult. And there are (laughs) numerous stories of productions, whether they be, uh, gosh, Jaws is the one that like most directly comes to mind of movies set on boats which usually are way more complicated than uh, they appear on paper as well as what it meant to be tackling a character as iconic as dracula and trying to do a new spin on that character this is weirdly enough the second dracula movie we got this year after the much maligned rindfield that we talked about on this show a few months back so stay tuned at the end for that interview it was really fascinating But what I first wanted to start us off doing is a list of recommendations, um, and specifically recommendations tailored towards director William Friedkin, who passed away this past week. William Friedkin, kind of one of these signature figures of the sort of new Hollywood, really had this kind of like impressive run of movies in the 1970s, kind of lost his mojo a little bit, I think, into the 1980s and, and 90s, though. Uh, had kind of this like brief kind of uh, you know like two movie comeback I would say in kind of the 2000s adapting a couple of uh, Tracy Letts more deranged plays like Bug and Killer Joe Um, but essentially thought it'd be great to give a list of five movies that if you're not familiar with William Friedkin and his very visceral uh, I would say very I hate the word grounded, but that, that is kind of the thing I think about with William Friedkin is his movies had a sort of immediacy and a, a sense of place to them. Uh, they felt like they were very much sort of set in the real world and had a, a sort of visceral tangibility to them. Um, so here's five movies that I would say. Uh, worth either re-watching or if you've never seen any of William Friedkin's movies these are five great ones to sort of dive into because let's be honest folks the uh if you've seen Barbie and Oppenheimer the, the the pickings are pretty slim at the the movies right now um obviously Friedkin's probably two most iconic movies his Oscar winning cop drama The French Connection which comes out in 1970 has a great gene hackman performance at the center it's a movie that i've never loved as much as a lot of other critics um but is by easily easily worth seeing and i think if you do see it the the kind of maybe thing that has held it back for me a little bit over the years is uh it very much is this kind of like rosetta stone text to a lot of the uh police crime dramas that you probably consume on television whether it's the wire whether it's true detective whether it's maybe even law and order to some extent it really is kind of like the rosetta stone for freaking taking these sort of like you know uh neorealism influences and sort of applying that to a hollywood sort of police procedural and uh it's it's a pretty exciting movie i mean it's got i mean it's got this iconic car chase in the center of it that is just like one of the most electrifying things you'll ever see on screen um obviously freaking's other kind of really well-known classic is the exorcist what many people consider to be the scariest movie ever made and is a statement i think i might have to agree with you know we've gotten numerous possession movies over the years i mean it's unlike the french connection it's not hard to sort of see the influence of this movie over countless tv shows and horror films over the years but maybe unlike The Fringe Connection, I don't know that any possession movie has ever quite topped The Exorcist, has ever quite captured that sort of intensity, that dread, that sort of sense of realism there that you're there in the room, um, the sense of like shock and horror on the faces of the characters. Really, to this day, is still like a very, very intense, unsettling experience. Um, and a movie that's probably you know I, there's another exorcist movie coming out this year david gordon green who's been doing uh, the most recent halloween movies is going to be tackling it i would be extremely surprised if it gets anywhere near as good as Friedkin's original because it it is it is a high bar that no one has been able to top uh since him now the two other more kind of Um, hidden gem movies of his are kind of like underrated classics i would say of his there's sorcerer from 1977 which is essentially a loose remake of this french film the wages of fear Uh, it's basically about a group of criminals the most famous of which played by roy scheider from jaws who are tasked with (laughs) driving this truck filled with uh, dynamite through the jungles in south america and getting it to this destination without it blowing up so the whole movie is this incredibly tense sort of road movie as they're going through this treacherous very dangerous unpredictable terrain with this highly explosive substance in the back of the truck and praying to god that it does not blow up at any moment and kill all of them uh one of the most sort of viscerally intense um, sort of nail-biting movie experiences you'll ever see it was a huge flop at the time a big expensive movie but has garnered a very strong cult following over the decades since it came out in the late 70s and uh, really if you haven't seen it is is one of the the sort of great showcases of freaking just able to capture this kind of realism and this tangibility on screen where you really feel like they're sort of hunking this like giant roaring metal truck through the jungle after that i'd go with uh to live and die in la which i have to shout out josh martin who's been a guest on this show before Uh, josh recommended this movie to me i had never seen it before it's kind of Friedkin's 80s answer to Uh, The French Connection, if The French Connection is this very, like, grimy, down-and-dirty sort of cop drama uh, (laughs) set in New York, uh, To Live and Die in L.A. is the uh, sort of all-flash, styled-within-an-inch-of-its-life cop drama uh, set in the City of Angels, and basically following a secret service agent trying to hunt down the head of a counterfeit ring who killed his partner um just lights out like incredible electric action movie that as i said freaking is sort of styling within an inch of its life but it all feels very rooted in this sort of like real kind of tangible los angeles and is using all of these like really unique locations it's got a car chase sequence in it that i think is even better than the one in the french connection uh really is one of the most underrated movies of the 1980s i do not know how we don't talk about this as one of the best action movies from that decade um and then the final one i'll recommend is not necessarily a good movie but it is a really really interesting movie it's 1980s cruising uh, which stars Al Pacino as a New York cop who has to go uh, undercover within the BDSM community uh, in order to catch a serial killer that is targeting gay men and uh, is a movie that was very provocative when it first came out but actually was a big hit on the back of Pacino's stardom. Um, As I said, it's not a great movie. The movie is sort of Oddly hard to follow in places there's a lot of scenes that were sort of taken out of the movie due to their extreme sort of graphic content or i, I guess we could just say sexual content that uh <laughs> the rating system was a bit uh turned off from at the time um and as a result, it's this movie that is oddly ambiguous, and I think you can read different interpretations into it to be honest the first time I saw it i didn't think it really worked it sort of seemed weirdly outdated with sort of this idea of like you know socializing with gay men with somehow this dangerous thing that Pacino was having to do in order to catch the killer almost this like how how far would you go to catch a killer would you go full gay but I've also heard some fascinating defenses of the movie and uh critics say like no that's actually kind of what's interesting about it is it is less this movie about uh al pacino trying to catch this killer than it is him playing a man who's always thought of himself as straight and sort of like you know overwhelms him or sort of jumps headfirst into this subculture community in new york city and sort of has this sort of sexual awakening of finding that he might in fact be gay himself um as I said, it is a fascinating movie that I think you can watch it with different people and have different interpretations and a really unique conversation about it um, afterwards. And is, as I said, just, I think another good example with the other four films that I would highly, highly recommend of Friedkin, not being afraid to sort of charge towards provocative material, not being afraid to sort of give a sort of like visceral uh, shock to his audience and willing to sort of play down and dirty and, and give you a a kind of visceral kick that you wouldn't otherwise expect from a movie. Um, So those are five to definitely check out for. Um, William Friedkin will be missed. Apparently he has a new movie that was like just finished. It's premiering at the Venice film festival. So look forward to hearing how that is. Um, But now uh, you can enjoy my conversation with uh, Andre Ovala. So uh, congratulations on the film, obviously, Andre, I know it's uh, a miracle anything gets made at all. I know it's a, an, an endeavor to to do something. I first wanted to ask you kind of what it was about the project that attracted you and whether or not you had any kind of fears or concerns about like, you know, there, there's no shortage of vampire stories out in uh, the world. Um and And especially doing something with something as iconic as Dracula, Um, was there any kind of like fear along with kind of like whatever attracted you to the project in the first place?
1: No, I mean, of course, there is always, uh, you know, you are walking into um, a legacy of films and, you know, with basically one of the most beloved novels ever written, uh, you know, regardless of genre. So it's definitely. Uh, you know, you you take it very seriously, but at the same time, I feel like we can, in this case, we had an opportunity to create, to show a different side of the Dracula story that hasn't really been explored much in movies. And it's a wonderful chapter, a scary chapter that uh, of the book that we, uh, em- you know, embraced fully and the script was great. So it wasn't really hard to to say yes and jump on this opportunity. It was a wonderful opportunity to to be able to direct a film like this. Um, so, I, yeah. Oh, go go ahead. Uh, no, I, so I was, you know, you have all these classic movies for 100 years of classic movies behind you from Nosferatu to, to I don't know, to, to the recent Renfield. And it is just a, it's definitely a huge legacy to to play, you know, to be part of so you ha- you have to make sure you you know make a decent film
0: i wanted to kind of get into the uh creature design um for a little bit cuz i i thought that was such a unique um way to sort of visualize that character that i hadn't quite seen before i was curious if you wanted to sort of elaborate a little bit about like how you guys came down to sort of how the dracula was going to look on screen Um, how you came up with sort of like the look of the character and how you decided to sort of render that on on screen. I think there's a real sort of tangibility there and having sort of an an actor kind of like play that character with makeup and stuff that you just wouldn't get if it was like, you know, a CGI bat thing kind of just like flying around the screen.
1: No, I I think we we wanted to embrace a very monstrous version of Dracula in this movie. We wanted to give um, uh, the audience a new point of uh, a new vision of it um and I I always saw Dracula when we started working on it as a very old man he's like 400 and some years old and I wanted you to feel that on him I wanted you to feel his emaciation from lack of blood I wanted uh, the audience to to feel his journey through the you know as much as the crew in the beginning of the film you want to be with both of them Obviously, it's hard to be with a character you can't really show because you want to keep him in the shadows, you want to keep him a bit hidden. So there is that, but I think we found a, a really cool balance where we end up um, at, the, at the high point of the movie, uh, really revealing him in his full glory and then letting him uh, change into one of the, uh, one of the uh, shapes he can in the book you know he can change into a bat he can change into a wolf uh, there is uh, that's part of the mythology of of the novel so we um, we wanted to embrace things that felt right for this for for staying true to the book basically
0: so uh one thing that i always kind of hear um from filmmakers when they're doing sort of any kind of picture set on the sea is that there's always way more complications than you initially think. Whether you're shooting out on like an actual body of water or whether you're doing something in a tank, I'm curious if there were any kind of unexpected challenges or or sort of any one particular day on this project where you're sort of like, oh shoot, like, I, what am I doing? I can't believe like this is way more harder than I I would have thought.
1: I mean, you know, there are challenges that you definitely feel are sometimes. Um... Overwhelming, but it is, you know, basically the last day we were shooting in the storm with Javier as Dracula on, you know, on deck. There we had everything going at the same time. It is supposed to be in the middle of a storm, intense acting. He's wearing this, you know, outfit that is, you know, takes hour five hours to apply, and uh, and he needs all this assistance and help, and we can't hear anything because there are loud engines everywhere. And you have water cannons shooting water in. We have waves. We have the boat is on a rocker. We have uh, uh, stunt rigs to safeguard. We have um, water towers that all has to, you know, when you start a single take, all of these things have to start up. So it takes, you take 10 minutes just to gear up all this equipment just to get a single takeoff. And then at the same time, we had short nights in the middle of the summer in Malta. So you, you're you looking at the sky and you're seeing the sky becoming more and more blue and we have to turn the, you know, we have to change the camera angles because, well, we can't shoot right into that. So it's, there is, you know, those kind of challenges, you know, they're there, you know, walking in that those are going to come, but you never realize until you're actually standing there how, you know, how huge <laughs> those obstacles are going to be altogether. Yeah.
0: So uh, I'm curious about some of your kind of like influences on this picture. Were there any other um, films or works of art that you kind of like drew upon for sort of the the visual style of the movie or kind of like to show your actors and crew like, oh, this is kind of like an example of something we're kind of going for here.
1: I mean, I I try not to use so many references. I used a little bit of references uh, from, strangely enough, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Seven is a movie that always seems to inspire me when it comes to the way things are framed and the way things are done. Conjuring is a movie that does horror and use of spatial horror extremely well. So those films seem to uh, be part of the language and somehow, but but I never really sit. you know, some directors, they have screenings of movies uh, with crew and cast and to, but I try to work from, the elements we actually have in front of us which is we need to design the ship as a specific type of ship and i want it to be barren I, I don't want it to look like a big galleon from you know from the pirate movie or something i want it all to be very grungy and dirty and that's that kind of try to work from reality basically more than other movies
0: so i want to ask you something that's maybe a little bit more existential or something with just sort of like bam the vampire mythology in general and what what do you think it is about kind of like this particular monster this particular kind of horror story that has made it last for sort of like hundreds and hundreds of years and how you know filmmakers and writers you know we we keep sort of evolving these different stories from this sort of one particular monster is is there something to you that like makes it such a kind of like iconic everlasting bit of our like human mythology
1: i guess it's pure evil in a way what is uh, he is he is the embodiment of evil in some ways he, he spreads evil the movie can be symbolic in or not the movie but his character and the book can be symbolic in in so many ways when it comes to sexuality when it comes to um uh, uh when it comes to understanding the diff i mean the difference between science and superstition it was written in a time when the world was turning into, uh, was going through the uh, industrial revolution and a lot of the modern science was being developed in that time period. So you can feel it also in the book and his point of view and everything that this balance between trying to analyze something scientifically and handle it scientifically while at the same time dealing with something that is clearly way beyond and is supernatural. And I find that balance personally very intriguing, and I think that also probably is, and you know, it's a, it's a time-honored, intriguing theme anyway in many um, parts of our culture.
0: So, uh, one last question, because I know you you got a busy day ahead of you. Uh, if you had to sort of program a double feature with this movie, uh, what what film would you choose, and why?
1: <laughs> oh, that's an uh, interesting. Well, I mean. I guess, uh, I mean, in a way, I guess Dracula by Coppola uh, because they're so different in many ways. That is so sumptuous and that is so, in a way, uh, beautiful, while this is much more dark and sinister. And this is more of like the horror, while that is the, the more gothic, romantic view on Dracula and uh, i think they would complement each other in some interesting way
0: yeah that's an interesting question i, I thought a lot about alien as I was, I was watching it or just sort of like the you know crew and battling this monster stuff Was that you know another film that you guys kind of looked at for inspiration
1: yeah sure i mean that's a natural inspiration just because of the setting and the you know a crew following a crew etc but i think um Uh, I think just to contrast it with something else would be great.